On the last episode of Modern Practice, we discussed how various departments in a healthcare organizations can effectively collaborate with clinical documentation staff. Today, we'll go a little further on this discussion. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Villanueva, Senior Principal for Operations and Quality at Vizient and Practicing Internist. I welcome back Amber Sterling, Senior Consultant for Clinical Documentation Improvement at Vizient. Thank you, Tom. I'm very happy to be back. One thing my audience members are going to forgive me, but I always bring up copying and pasting as being an issue right now. And frankly, I only see it getting it worse. And I know among my hospitalist colleagues, they say it's a way of reducing burden. But quite frankly, I see it as a way of worsening burden because frankly, it takes me much longer just to figure out what's going on since each note pretty much says, frankly, nothing at this point. Any thoughts behind that? Oh my goodness, so many. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Well, my favorite thing I say very sarcastically as a CDI specialist is opening a record and it being pages and pages and pages of copy and paste. Mm -hmm. And there are some softwares and EMRs out there that will help to show what is new information versus what is copy and paste. But really my main issue that I have with it is I can't easily see the progression of care. Right. So if I am going to have to query you on something, it's probably going to be because the copy and paste did not do its job in showing how you cared for the patient. You didn't discuss any diagnoses that maybe you have ruled out or ruled in. Everything is still basically in the workup format and there isn't that conclusion of here is what we have ultimately decided on for a path of care. So that's kind of my main gripe with it other than just the long reads that it takes to review a chart like that for sure. I would be a hypocrite if I didn't say I didn't copy and paste in my present practice, but I'm just very conscientious about editing. I think that copy and paste is not an awful thing. Right. I'm sure I'm going to have lots of feedback <laughs> on that. Of Why are you serious? I admitted it with you. <laughs> so we'll both get it. We're in this together, Tom. Right. I think that copy and paste, there's lots of times where that's appropriate. Right. Because you need to say a certain piece of information that's already been said, but then you build on it. And that's really the key takeaway is when you look at your documentation, and I'm sure providers don't have the time to go back and look through a record to make sure they feel like it's adequately representing what they saw and cared for with the patient. But Mm -hmm. if you were just to take one of your records and look at it, can you understand what you did for the patient looking at it through the lens of somebody who's not you? Some outside perspective. I think audits help with that. They help to identify where query opportunities would be. Even just your in-house CDI department can very easily help you with that information. Right. Usually. I definitely see that as an opportunity. Also a great way of leveraging your physician advisor. Oh yeah. One of the most effective means I've seen was in a large hospital system in the South where during the hospitalist meeting, they actually started showing notes. Oh, They de-identified them to kind of hide the guilty parties, but what they did was actually showed a note where they made a comment that the patient was having a cheeseburger and a Diet Coke for lunch on the note. Interesting combination, but it happens. (laughs) Uh, And this time, the same comment was actually seen for three days straight. Oh, okay. And I think that those great examples just show providers that there is an opportunity there because these things do come out and their clinical truth isn't. So we spoke about how different departments can collaborate, but you can't fix what you can't measure. Oh, so true. So what are some ways that we can measure this? Well, like I said earlier, you have to have a way to see that needle move. It's great to put information up in front of your providers. It's great to have the education, the information. But what I have found to be very effective is putting data with metrics in front of a provider. Mm -hmm. They are, for the most part, extremely self-motivated. 
they want to be competitive and just having that like, well, here is your baseline. Here's how you compare to your peers. And here is now where you are six months later or even a month later, I think is highly effective. Auditing has usually been the way that we have collected a lot of our data to look for opportunity. And I don't think that auditing is necessarily something that needs to go by the wayside when you look at data, but there is so much data out there and a lot of it is very meaningless unless put into a specific context. It's one of the reasons I wanted to join Vizient because as a director for an organization, I had lots of data coming my way. It took me hours just to figure out even where to go with it and only to find out that because it was pulled in this particular way, it wasn't valid. It wasn't accurate, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that finding very meaningful and precise data that you can trust is the first step, obviously, to having a successful feedback loop for the providers. I really feel like Vizient offers that. It's just incredible. It's one of those things when I look back on, had I had Vizient at my disposal Mm -hmm. in my leadership role, I would have done things so differently. (laughs) You actually put up a very good point. I can tell you so many of my colleagues out there are struggling with data. Data coming from this department being reported to the C-suite, data coming from this department, and it's conflicting. Right. There isn't like a centralized voice. So you can imagine, and you, I'm sure, have direct experience with the providers going, well, which one is it? Which one do you want me to follow? <laughs> right. So find data, find data that you can have as a central voice for departments, talk to other departments, learn what is being reported and what's being followed for the providers, for the nursing, all the ways that we would impact, we need to understand what's out there and then come to a common decision. But the other portion of that, I think, is when you're reporting those data findings, know your audience. Right. For what I'm going to say to a CDI specialist versus what I'm going to say to the C-suite needs to be different Mm -hmm. because the information absorption, the objectives there are just completely different. But oftentimes what I see is this data gets presented in this particular model and it goes out to everyone. And it's open for interpretation at those levels that oftentimes is wrong. I think your point about knowing your audience is key. Absolutely. One of the comments I usually say about clinicians, specifically physicians, is that we all have like a form of ADD. If it's <laughs> not really helping me with my day-to-day, I'm not listening yeah. anymore. And I'll just go, oh, look, a squirrel. That's it. My attention's yep. gone someplace else. That's such a good point, Tom, because I think before I would put data in front of providers, just putting some query examples out there, focusing on this is how it impacted the severity of illness or something to that effect and not so much the dollar, Mm -hmm. because I think that that's a turnoff. Right. But just going and seeing how the providers respond to that information and what they would find helpful. That's the other portion, I think, with auditing and with data is, okay, you see value in it, but you're not the person being held to these metrics. What does that mean for them? And I think that providers should have a say in how they're being assessed and what metrics are being monitored. And if it's something that's not making sense to them, then where is the buy-in? And again, this is a great opportunity for their physician advisor to have that conversation. And then having the CDI knowledge coming back to the CDI team and saying, I think that this would be a good way to go with metrics that would be meaningful to them. So know your audience, know what they're going to respond to, what's meaningful to them. And in that way, you develop a partnership that works for everyone. Yeah, it's important to be mindful. Yeah. So we spoke about in reference to your CDI team being in-house versus not being in-house or on site. We spoke to where I think we both agree that would be beneficial, but frankly, probably non-sustainable at this moment, and particularly with our market. 
So in a relationship building across a digital platform, can you do that? Can you develop a relationship in a digital platform? <laughs> well, here's where I might make some friends and maybe not some friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it is what it is, which is my least favorite saying, but we are in a time where it is not always possible to have CDI on site. Mm -hmm. That said, there should be a hybrid to some degree because you have to have provider interaction. The length of stay rounding that I talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. once we had that DRG information, we really started moving with it. We made huge progress in the length of stay. It was unbelievable. We had people contacting us from other outside organizations saying, how are you guys doing this? I think having that in-person, in-time interaction cannot be replaced. There are, I know, some organizations that are doing this via a Zoom meeting. Sure. So some sort of online meeting. But even to that degree, I think that's not really there. It's not enough to be talking to the provider over the computer. What if something needs to be dug into the record? And here I can show you exactly. I can pull it up. We can talk it through. I can see what they're looking at, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So if you can't do on-site, then I would definitely recommend having the hybrid where there is at least one to two main people who their job is to do provider education, deliver queries that don't have a query response after a while, or maybe just are very difficult so they can have those real-time conversations. And I actually think that a hybrid model is highly effective because you can then utilize the people that are at home to be more of like the workhorse. Mm -hmm. They're going to get through a lot more reviews. They're going to be able to churn out a lot more productivity simply because that is their main focus at home. Whereas, on site, it should be very interactive and it should be that you are participating in meetings and roundings and less time in a typical chart review situation. So it also kind of plays to people's personalities. Right. I'm a person who needs to be around talking to people. You know, that's, right, right. that's where I find satisfaction. So doing that on-site education and really getting to know people and collaborating in that way, that's something that is a strength of mine. But I've worked with and have had staff that that's absolutely nothing they want anything to do with. So right. it's great for them to have the work satisfaction and that I get to be in my own space do my own thing. I get through my day. I do these reviews and I contribute significantly. And it does play to people's personalities and strengths. And I think that's important. Couldn't agree more. Amber, thanks for joining us. And to our listeners, you can contact Amber at her email address listed in the resource section of our podcast page. And if you have any additional questions pertaining to modern practice or simply want to send me your comments, please contact me at our email at modernpracticepodcast@visiantinc.com. We've posted a link in our resource section as well. And please join us for other Modern Practice Podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments. I'm Dr. Tom Villanueva. Thanks for listening.